It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and kind of a hectic morning already, but uh, we've got an interesting show in store. I'm I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. We're going to be talking with... um, the uh, city administrator for the city of Southfield coming up here in just a few minutes. And uh, also, a little later in the show, we're going to talk with the uh, city council president, Pro Tem, um, and uh, talk about how Southfield does things a little bit differently than than maybe we do here in Flint. And I'm sure that makes a lot of locals uh, chuckle when I say that. But um, in the middle, we're going to go out to San Diego and talk to a guy who's... Uh, really um well he's he's a kind of a substance abuse expert and he's um really pushing the use of narcan in every possible application his interventions for uh, opioid addiction and more specifically overdose and he has some interesting things to say about why overdosing seems to be on the rise in any event i mentioned uh southfield and we're going to turn our attention to that but first i want to introduce my my favorite oakland county activist pam uh gerald is on the phone um or pg as she's often referred to good morning pg well good morning how are you tom and happy tgi thursday (laughs) <laughs> is that PG on Thursday? Yes, um, it is, PG on Thursday. And I'd like to ask you, was that our girl, Frida Payne, singing Ella Fitzgerald? No. Oh. No, that was uh, that, that was a local. Um, oh, Because you asked me, now I can't think of her name, and she's wonderful. She's been on the show a bunch of times. Um, well, she sounds like Frida Payne. Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Oh, I know Gwen very well. That I was, remember when she and Lenny got married, when they were dating yeah. way back in the day. That was, that and you was know Gwen. she's Little Richard's cousin. I did not know that, and she yeah. never admitted that to me. Yeah, she's Little Richard's cousin. His name was Richard Pennyman. Well, she's been on the show. So in fact, that what you heard her singing, she sang live on my show. Oh, that's amazing. I haven't seen Gwen in many years, but for a very long time. We now, were the people close. listening to us on the radio didn't hear any of that. Okay. Because that just led up to when the show starts. It's part of warming up the stream. and uh, I don't want to get too, too inside baseball, except when it comes to Southfield. And we're going to do that right now. That's right. With the uh, city administrator from Southfield. Uh, 
Fred Zorn is his name, and uh, I, I have to apologize. I didn't have a picture of Fred to put up on the uh, post today. Um, I, I used a, a skyline of Southfield, which is actually a very nice picture. But uh, but anyway, uh, Fred, good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy to be on and talk about Southfield. Well, let's let's talk about Fred Zorn first. Um you know, I uh, was poking around a little bit, you know, looking into to Southfield and what goes on, and it seems like well, I know you just recently got a new uh, director of public works, and there have been some other recent appointments, and and they and they all have Fred Zorn said this, Fred Zorn appointed this person, so on, just, you know, in the normal course of conducting the business. And there are pictures of all these people, council people and the mayor and all this stuff. I couldn't find a single picture of Fred Zorn. Fred, are you, hide, <laughs> are you in the witness protection program or something? No, no, no <laughs> but there's probably days I'd like to be. <laughs> The, uh, I, I think you can find a picture of me on the city's website, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I couldn't. Not, I couldn't find one on the website. I couldn't find one on your LinkedIn page. I looked through Facebook. They were, they were just the silhouette, you know. Like, uh oh, this guy's hiding. <laughs> Fred, we're going to have to change that because we really need a picture um, and a bio about our esteemed city administrator on our website. Now, Fred, you, you were the, um, uh, I, I don't know what the exact title is, but, but deputy, uh, uh, city administrator before getting promoted yeah, I, into I, the. Um, I became city administrator, uh, in June of 14, Prior to that, I joined the city as the deputy city, city administrator in October of 2008. Um, and it's uh, nearing the completion of my eighth year as city administrator, and I've been fortunate enough the last uh, five years to really uh, rebuild uh, and assemble just uh, uh, fine additions to our team. I mean... My police chief, Alvin Barron, my fire chief, uh, Johnny Menifee, my parks and rec director, Terry Fields, uh, and now uh, the most recent addition, uh, Pat Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, those are direct reports to the city administrator. The city of Southfield is actually a, a strong council form of govern government with a city administrator. Slightly different than a city manager form of government, that my appointees are subject to city council approval. Uh, so that creates a very public uh, process when we're uh, interviewing and selecting those candidates. Then, uh, Fred, is the mayor then uh, elected from the council? Uh, no, sir, no, he is not. He's elected for a four-year four term uh, by the people. The mayor is primarily a figurehead in a public relations position. He does have appointment of powers. He has a veto. He does not have a vote. Only the seven council members do. Um, but, you know, in Southfield, we're fortunate that the electeds work uh, very unison and in, in a team fashion, as does my staff uh, of 
just outstanding uh, directors and managers. Then what, um, just so I understand the, the relationship between the mayor and the city council a little bit better, um, it, what happens with the budget? Does the mayor submit a budget? Does the city administrator submit a budget? And then the council, you know, weighs on mm-hmm. weighs in on it and and approves or or sends it back or or how how does that work exactly? Uh, certainly. So the first budget is due from the city administrator to the mayor by April first. Then the mayor transmits his budget. Uh, at the first regular meeting in May. You know, as administrator, we pretty much start our budget process uh, in November for the uh, fiscal year starting July 1. So my managers and directors will start focusing on what their budget needs are. We've been real uh, fortunate uh, under state statute. Our planning department uh, actually coordinates our comprehensive improvement plan. And every budget we have, we move pieces of our uh, CIP or that comprehensive improvement plan forward as part of the budget. Upon the mayor's uh, submittal uh, of the budget to council, then council conducts a series of public hearings. In fact, this uh, most recently, council just spent four evenings going through the department, uh, every department's budget with the uh, department heads coming in and we're all in a room together and it's uh, probably a uh, it's a formal public meeting but we roll roll up the sleeves and people get down and dig deep uh, in, in various budgets ask questions and you know how are you for staffing are you able to find the talent what type of training what type of capital improvements do you have the equipment you need need uh, do you know what are your needs what are your concerns and a very frequent uh, question I ask my managers and directors is, "What are your top three concerns? You know, what, what, you know, how, how can the administration help you uh, better fulfill your role and mission? Uh, you know, as the director of Parks and Rec, as the director of our library, uh, you know, what do you need uh, for our police department? And uh, the same with our fire department. And you know, we are challenged like all local units of government. I mean. Uh, there are budget constrictions, and we have to make uh, priorities. Um, every every council meeting, we're making some type of budgeting priority, and you know that's the basic essence of government. Uh, what are our priorities? And we know there are plenty of things that compete. When you and use- Tom, being a regular uh, city council attendee, uh, not so much during the pandemic. But being around the city of Southfield for almost 40 years, I can tell you I've attended a lot of budget meetings. And one thing that I do like about our city, our city administrator, the mayor, and council collectively, the dialogue is there. You know, I've gone to other budget meetings, and there's a lot of strife and a lot of arduous behavior. We don't have that at our meetings because the city administrator does his due diligence prior to coming into that meeting. So when they're sitting there at the table, he can reiterate, did I address those things that you needed for your department? What do you need for your department? It is a a sight to see when you come to the city of Southfield. We just don't have the same type of council meetings that I've witnessed for many years in the city of Flint. 
well, they're different. Well, Flint's its own. It's got its own special version of doing city government. But, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and we talk about that a lot on this show, so it's nice to be talking to some people who get along. Right. Um, but, Fred, you said um, you used the word uh, constriction, and and it made me wonder, is Southfield losing jobs or population the way some other communities around Michigan have? over the last 10, 20 years? The last census, we actually had an uh, uptick of just under 6,000 new residents. Uh, oh, wonderful. Part of the 2010 census, we, we were in the uh, depths of the housing foreclosure crisis, and we had at one point as many as 1,400 homes empty. So those homes are, you know, are, are occupied, and, uh, and that's, been a net increase in our population from 2010 to 2020, about just under 6,000 people. Population uh, now stands around 72,966 was the most recent number that I have. Um, so we think that's exciting. And then we, we have a lot of uh, growth opportunities. And we spent uh, the better part of the last five years wrestling with the multiple acquisitions associated with the Northland project, uh, yes. getting approval from uh, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, and that will re result in a smaller neighborhood retail center with uh, initially 1,500 housing units, a small hotel, uh, the Hudson's Marketplace. We're pretty excited about that development, in particular the respect that it pays to the history of that shopping center, which, mm -hmm. you know, when it was built uh, and opened in the 50s, was the the uh, uh, the first shopping center of that type in the country, and it was amazing. And um, and it also plays to some of the strength that we have in that immediate part of. Southfield. We have Providence Hospital with over 2,000 employees, Michigan State University teaching facility, Lawrence Tech with uh, 50 uh, nursing uh, students, uh, you know, wor working through that uh, campus. Uh, even the, uh, I think it's the American University of the Caribbean has 50 med students at, at Providence. We have Oakland Community College. So we have these anchor institutions. And then the last uh, eight years, the city's made over $230 million in infrastructure investment and water and sewer. And, Tom, that is, you know, there's nothing glamorous about infrastructure. Uh, and <laughs> with, to, to How I be, well know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... I Blitz experience, you know, from the water prices. Hey, Fred, Fred, I hate to cut you off, but I have to go to a short break here. But I hope you'll stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more. Certainly. And you too, PG. I will. All right. Uh, we're going to let our uh, broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Don't touch that dial. Don't click Hello that mouse. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection... Go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, on the phone with me uh, this morning, we have uh, my favorite uh, Oakland County activist, uh, PG, and the uh, city administrator for the city of Southfield, Fred Zorn, is joining us. And uh, Fred, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Thanks, Tom. I actually enjoyed the advertisements. Uh, very relaxing. Uh, it's a beautiful city. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And, and, and Southfield- Tom, before we go any further, I just wanted to uh, uh, expand on what Fred Zorn said. Southfield was the place to get the oldest and first regional mall built in 1954. And I am so proud to be able to say that about our city. Right there in Southfield, 26, is it 26.6 or 26.3 square miles, Mr. 26.3, actually 26.26 square miles. Okay, so I'm, you- I'm happy to say that. Hey, Fred, um, you were just starting to talk a little bit about the uh, about the tax base for Southfield, but I, I, since uh, PG brought it up again, the um, the mall and and uh, the resurgence of that of that shopping center, how is the version now different than the malls that we started building with that one in the fifties and sixties? The version actually goes back to uh, its original structure. The original structure was the Hudson's uh, department store with five buildings dancing around it. Each building's roughly uh, 40,000 square feet. So it'll go back to that original structure. uh, And then fronting on Greenfield, um, you will have 1,500 apartments in a mid-rise architectural style that, uh, plays and respects the original structure at the uh, Northland Mall. So uh, it will not be an enclosed shopping center. It, uh, it will be entertainment venues that people will be able to, you know, they'll, they'll live and work. And it's that, you know, new concept, uh, mixed-use community that, you know, has been around for a long time, but uh, the, the marketplace is, you know, finding and, and demanding its resurgence, and we were so auto-reliant uh, for so long uh, in, in this country, and we're starting to see changes in how people will live and work, and the uh, price of cars, the price of gasoline, insuring cars, you know, it may uh, be a little bit uh, like other parts of the country, where instead of a household having two or three cars, it may be one vehicle. Um, and you're doing a lot more of your daily life routines locally. Um, um, who's living in Southfield now? By uh, who's li- living? Do you mean ethnicity or? Well, I'm talking about uh, you know a broad. Um, you know, is it young? Is it old? Is it black? Is it white? You know, is it male, female? Um, you know, who's who is picking Southfield? Who are what would I who would I expect to meet in Southfield? I think you're going to find a very strong mix of people. Uh, we're we're just under seventy percent African American. Um, 
Caucasian, a good percentage of uh, mixed. Uh, we still have a, a decent-sized Chaldean population. Um, and then from a religious standpoint, you will find pretty much all religions, uh, from uh, you know, Protestant, Catholic, to uh, Jewish, uh, Reform, and Orthodox, to you'll find uh, Muslim. You'll, we have a Buddhist uh, t uh, temple. We're a pretty good mix. Um, we have uh, Korean churches. Um, the population is actually a good disbursement of ages. We, like all populations, our largest growth area is in our senior population. As the age of this country uh, ages, we're skewing it uh, in a more older group. One of our challenges is making sure that there's new product that will help attract young people. We know this, that in our office buildings, we have a lot of young millennials working there. A lot of our economic development activities have been focused on that sense of place. You know, eat to the beat, the campus, uh, the uh, corporate challenge uh, that we uh, run every summer. Um, we see a lot of young uh, people working in these offices. And that's our, our hope, is to continue to not only have them work here, we know they're recreating. We see that on our volleyball courts. Uh, tonight's uh, Thursday, uh, you'll see 200 people on our slow roll uh, leave our municipal campus around 6.15. Um, you know, so I, I, see, I see that. We're hoping to capture more young people with developments like the Northland and, uh, development. And, Obviously, you know, young couples uh, start out, uh, start families, and, you know, hopefully they'll become homeowners. And we're, uh, that's an area where we've seen a lot of resurgence. The Fred, last, yes. Uh, Fred, I want you to share with Tom uh, what the city did, and I thought it was just the most amazing thing. When you acquired the city of Southfield, there was artwork that was there, and there was the uh, very famous boy and the bear um, statue that was there. Can you tell Tom what the city did that was so innovative and what we did with some of those historical paintings like the Motown mural and the boy and the bear statue? Certainly. As part of the North Northland acquisition, the artwork, the receiver was about to uh, auction the artwork off at, to do Michelle's, and we we stepped in. We negotiated the acquisition. Uh, initially, it was a loan. Uh, the city loaned the money to our arts commission, which had recently been established. Um, strong you know, Mayor Cyber was a champion of the arts uh, commission there, and council full support. Uh, we advanced the money. The the funds were raised to pay back to the city, and multiple pieces of public art have been installed. As part of our infrastructure reinvestment, uh, public art has been installed on you know, Evergreen Road, uh, three different uh, pieces, uh, Gratitude, Yin Yang, the uh, Boy and the Bear, the signature piece by Marshall Fredericks, uh, a piece that was originally uh, commissioned by the uh, Hudson Weber family, as part of the uh, Northland de development, that piece has been installed in the uh, Southfield Library in the uh, atrium as you enter in, in the library. 
there were other pieces as well that have been installed, and private pieces have been added uh, to the art collection uh, the last few years. Uh, that has been a major focus of our city center, <clears throat> populating those pieces of art. And most recently, we are working with our uh, friends in Oakland County and the other communities along the Nine Mile Corridor, and we're creating a, a concept, uh, the Nine Mile Recreational Trail, and in Southfield, that will also have an, uh, a cultural arts piece I as well. And, Tom, you would have to come to the city of Southfield to our pavilion to see what they did with the Motown mural, the way it was restored and the faces that you see on there. Now, I think it's missing one face, but she wasn't a Motown artist, uh, and that would be Frida Payne. But, you know, she does have that history uh, recording in Detroit, but it is just the most amazing mural, and it's huge. It takes up almost the whole wall right there at the pavilion, and the way they separated the pieces, and you've got Motown on both sides, and then you walk and enter uh, into the pavilion, it is just absolutely captivating. So those are some of the things that has been done in the city of Southfield under the direction of our city administrator working collectively with council and with our very involved mayor, who's a part-time mayor, ceremonial, but as Fred said, he does have appointment and veto power. So we do that very well in the city of Southfield. Tom, every one of these pieces of art have an incredible story. Uh, Pam is mentioning the Motown mural, that piece is by Clifton Perry, it was originally painted uh, on drywall, and the drywall had to be removed. Clifton Perry was just a delightful person to work with on the acquisition. I remember his call uh, because that, because it was attached to the mall, it created some challenges. And as that drywall came off, there were all these nail pops, and we lost uh, a couple pieces of it because it was on a drywall. But how we were able to restore it, and Clifton came in and worked with us and touched it up and we got them framed and um, he's also made a, a commitment at, at you know as soon as we get through a few more pieces of this pandemic he will uh, he, he wants to do a comedy show to help raise more money for the art mm -hmm. uh, but there's every piece of this art has a great story um, that it's just a lot of fun to work on these projects um, You'll get some people who don't necessarily understand the importance, but as they eventually come around, they, I get what they're saying. So. Now, Fred, you mentioned uh, a moment ago that uh, as a result of the 2020 census that the Southfield population increased by a little under 6,000 people, which tells me and will probably tell Tom that we're in, in need of more housing for the people that are moving into our city, the seniors that are retiring, selling their homes in Detroit and moving into the city of Southfield. How important has it been to take some of our structures and do repurposing, which it seems like Southfield was at the forefront of repurposing and reusing uh, some of the vacant structures to turn them into housing? How important has that been? That that is is absolutely critical. The adaptive reuse, the uh, you know, 
challenging the status quo of our disposable uh, economy. You know, don't throw it away. Can we reuse it? Mm-hmm. You know, for example, the city of Southfield, like a lot of First Link suburban communities, we are challenged with older uh, school properties. The Southfield nonprofit housing corporation acquired uh, a former McKinley school, which um, it, it it's a historical structure, a Gothic piece of architecture that has a wild story. The fact that the developer who was originally developing Southfield, uh, it was referred to as Bloomfield Park, um, actually built the school to attract families. Um, very, very unique uh, structure, but that uh, the, the plan is to convert that to a condominium uh, property, uh, as well as on the remainder of the school site, build uh, 22 new housing units. Uh, again, a lot of attention to architecture and uh, detail to make that work. Another adaptive use or reuse is the former John Grace School. Yes. Uh, uh, which we actually have an application pen- pending uh, with MISHTA for affordable senior housing. Mm-hmm. And we are eagerly awaiting, and you know we've been through that competitive process before, and uh, we know what it takes to stay at the table. And uh, Tom, Tom, uh, you may not be familiar with the John Gray Center. The John Gray Center was like a place; it was almost like a career lab where people went to get trained to do their resume. Uh, they had classes there. They had uh, Oakland County's work. Force development program out of there. It was a very nice uh, center and involved center, and it's a beautiful building structure-wise, sitting right in the middle of a very historic part of the city of Southfield. And to know that the city administrator, the city and council collectively got together to say, we're not going to tear this well-built structure down. We're going to repurpose it and make it senior housing is just absolutely incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And I'm, I'm very happy about it. We need housing to be able to accommodate the people that are moving into the city. And we're blessed to have a migration into the city of Southfield because a lot of communities, they're experiencing exodus in large numbers like the city of Flint. A lot of people are moving. Fred, you mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago about the, um, uh, about some projects that I don't want to say they were on hold, but, but delayed a little bit as we wait for the, the final official sort of all clear on the pandemic that some other things will kick into gear when we get to that point. Um, how has the the pandemic and the various quarantines uh, affected and been handled in uh, you know, Southfield? It's it's funny when I look back at the pandemic. A lot I can tell you a lot of managers and administrators, uh, mayors. You know, first part of twenty, we were we didn't quite know what to expect. And I, I I'll share with you. I had a meeting with my police chief. My uh, emergency preparedness uh, manager uh, and my fire chief and my deputy chief, and we're, what do we do? How do we uh, prepare? And early on, we stacked up on the cleaning supplies, mm-hmm. and that was in 
early February of 20, and that's about six weeks before every, everything shut down. And we also started taking certain precautions. So, you know, first, you know, how, how do we protect the general public? How do we keep our functions going and our employees? Uh, we put in a, a series of uh, protocols, um, policies. We went from having only 20 employees who could work remotely to over 100 today. And we still have accounting systems that need to go, purchasing, payroll that needs to be processed, human resource. We, so for the first time in the city's history, we, we let people start working remote. And that was something, uh, government, we tend to want to see our employees at, at their desk. And we had to rethink that, uh, make a paradigm shift. So obviously we put up a, a lot of uh, barriers and, uh, and we paid attention to the detail. You know, some of them, you know, we put glass walls where we didn't have them. It was an opportunity to improve some security devices. Not that we had an immediate need, but they they had been on on want list, so we we stepped that up. Um, regard, you know, my police and fire. Um, there there was. Uh, I started the process where we were doing a daily phone call every day at one o'clock, even Saturday and Sundays, mm-hmm. going through. How many people are out? What's happening with our police and fire? What's happening in the field? And there was a period of time that uh, the the numbers for our, our my fire department were staggering. They were 250% over their normal run volumes. We started monitoring um, COVID-like symptoms, CPRs. And one of the things, there was, oh, man, that spring of, 20 mid-spring uh where my guys are seeing more you know more people dead at home yeah. i mean that's hard for your uh firefighters your emt to be dealing with that and the number literally was double what we would see in the normal course of business um and you got to remember these are men and women you know they've got families too going through this crisis right you know, so our organization, you know, as a as a employer, as a team, we're going through this, but we've also got to get these people through this individually, um, and it's challenged all of us. You know, it's getting better. Um, we took that call as the numbers changed, uh, you know, twice a week, um, and you know now you know, we just recently uh, modified that to where it's a weekly census. Uh, but I'm still reaching out to make sure people are okay. We still have people who are fighting this. I don't know an employee who doesn't know someone, a loved one, who who, who they lost, and myself included. And um, it hit hard. The we uh, obviously very it hit the African American community harder. We are in Oakland County uh, boasting uh, that Oakland County did a great job. And we worked with them through our pavilion and getting uh, our employees, our first responders vaccinated, as well as the general population. We ran clinics, uh, whatever they wanted. We did COVID testing in our our parking uh, structure. We worked with the Orthodox community, and we did testing six months in uh, August of, of 20 to test and see if people had the antibodies. You know, we took part in, in, in research projects there. 
Um, we work with Providence Hospital to support uh, their people. We work with Beaumont, whose headquarters is in uh, Southfield, uh, their corporate headquarters. Um, con- the constant messaging through our community relations, our cable department, uh, they were all part of this effort. Things that didn't happen, obviously our rec programs were directly modified. Uh, we had, um, we moved a lot of our programming outside. Uh, yoga on the front lawn, walk, walking paths uh, cleared. Um, we, we took those precautions. Things that didn't happen, and I think, you know, some of the things that are the essence of a community, when we come together, you know, whether it's a family fun night on the front lawn, the concerts uh, that happened. I think I think this summer we got six planned uh, f- for the summer. Last summer we were able to do the Kimmy Horn uh, jazz uh, concert on our uh, front lawn, and uh, it's planning again for this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to open our pavilion again, and the pavilion is one mm-hmm. of those great structures where you know two thousand people could come together. Whether it's uh, a clay art, uh, uh, a pottery show, or the uh, Native Indian tribes coming together or a daddy-daughter dance. It's a place where community events happen and memories are built, and the community is vibrant and, and thrives because of those events. And, Fred, remember the International Institute doing uh, the, after they talk about the people that were sworn in, the immigrants coming to the United States, that we've done a whole week of celebrations where um, different uh, ethnic groups come in and do their country dance. Yeah, that's great. Yes, because after the ceremony, uh, swearing in new citizens, which is always a moving ceremony when yes. you see, you know, gosh, anywhere 70 to 100 people, usually 30 to 50 different countries being sworn in, it really uh, reminds a lot of us about what, what makes this country great. I mean, we know we've got challenges, but, you know, we're, we need to work together. So. Well, Fred, I appreciate you spending this time with me this morning. I can't believe how fast the time has gone, but it's been a real pleasure meeting you and getting a chance to talk with you about Southfield. We're going to have more about Southfield with uh, Councilman uh Michael, Michael Mandelbaum coming up mm-hmm. during the 11 o'clock hour. PG will be back with me then as well. Um, Fred, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning, and keep up the good work. All right, thank you, sir. And, Fred, thank you for all that you do for the city of Southfield and just how proactive and involved you've been, more importantly, involving the residents and the taxpayers and getting what they want put in place and giving us a say. We appreciate that. Pam, to you and Gerard, thank you uh, for saying that. Uh, I Just a, a shout-out to you, Pam, for, for what you do. I mean, democracy works, and we need our activists. And there are plenty of days, you know, the hairs on my, my head stand up, but you, you keep us all on our feet, and you make the democracy and our system a better system. And that's what, that's what the world needs more of right now. And love is a many splendid thing. <laughs> well, thank you both. And uh, with that, we're going to take a, uh, a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words, and we'll be back with uh, more of the Tom Sumner program uh, after, after this. Also, don't forget, you can uh, hear old interviews 
on these shows. Hi, all the time. this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I'm going to say just a few words about North Carolina, my home state, possibly the finest state in this entire union. We got industry of all kinds, pretty country, raised corn, cotton, tobacco, peaches, peanuts, all like that. Got colleges all over the state, fine quality, pretty girls, and run off the finest white lightning made anywhere. <laughs> hey, I see you all ain't forgot your raising. But it is, it, it's, uh, well, this, uh, this government stuff that you all use up here in New York and all, that'll kill you. It, it, it will, you can't tell what's in it. Here last, uh, last New Year's Eve, I was up in New York and uh, I, got, I got betrayed into drinking several, several folks' health. And uh, I was trying to be as, you know, as robust as I could about it. And uh, I kept on drinking their healths, friends, till I'll tell you the truth, my own pretty near become endangered. <laughs> but, well, now that's not true about white lightning. Now you can tell what's in that because you can see through it. And I never shall forget my first swallow of it. I, I took a good one, and I swallowed her down, and she hit bottom. And, and my face turned red, and my eyes rolled back, and I gagged just a little bit. And then by and by, I got over it. And some of the boys says, how are you? And I says, boys, I'm doing fine, gaining ground all the time. And I think I've got her if she don't jump. <laughs> yes, sir. I says says, give me just a minute to rest and I'll try her again. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was one fella that lived there close to me there a while, a fella named Sam Wood. And he did, he made the best they was made anywhere around. But he had bad luck with it. He uh, seemed like every time he'd run off a batch, why he'd get caught. And he was on the county roads so long and got so old that they finally just put him to a cooking. And he was serving up the boys one night. He is serving up a mess of creasy salad. That's turnip greens. It's, it's not really, I just don't know what else to call them. But he is serving them up and one of them called him back. Says, Sam, says, come in. Says, there's a lizard in my greens. <laughs> Sam looked back and forth and says, hush. Says, the others will want one tea. <laughs> <laughs> They might be good, fixed right. <laughs> Sam, he, uh, he used to, he had bad trouble with drinking a whole lot of it too. But uh, he quit about, oh, five, six, seven years ago. And I got to talking about it with him one time. I says, Sam, did you ever have the DTs? He says, boy, I had them when they first come out. <laughs> now, I'd like to report to you here that there is excellent progress going on all over down there, even in, in the most backwoods communities at home, they're getting all kinds of modern conveniences. There was a fella that worked at the same factory that I used to with my daddy there in Mount Airy, and he come in out of the mountains one morning just as mad as he could be. And he says, Carl, says the people up there in the mountains getting to act just like the people in town. Says there's a family of them up there close to us that started putting screens on their windows. 
sh shutting the flies out on everybody else. <laughs> and, well, then too, I think this is pretty good. Uh, nearly all, nearly all of our local officials can read and write now. They can. And some of them do their own punctuating. They was, they was, they was one in particular that I remember. He was learning pretty good. And he is down at the barber shop reading the paper and showing off. And, well, he is, he is reading along and he says, uh, says, I see him while so-and-so paid the supreme sacrifice. And the barber says, yeah, I heard where he is killed. Says, don't say he is killed, says he paid the supreme sacrifice. <laughs> it's not very funny, I just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> and we are, we are thrifty, I'm proud of that. I had an uncle one time, he said he bought him a new pair of shoes off a fella. Said he paid three dollars and a quarter for them. Pretty brown shoes. And said he put them on and he was walking on uptown. And said he was walking along and said his left shoe commenced to hurt him a little. And he was limping just a little bit and said he was walking on and he passed one of his friends. Says, what are you limping for? He says, I bought these shoes and this left one's hurting me just a little. He says, why don't you cut them? He says, I ain't gonna cut these shoes. Says, I paid three dollars and a quarter for them. He kept on walking, there's a hurting worse and he got studying about that thing. And he got studying, maybe that fella had something about cutting that shoe. He says, I took my knife and I cut a little hole just about that size, right where the sore was. And he says, yeah, you know, I wouldn't took three dollars and a quarter for that hole. <laughs> well, <laughs> he told me that and I had to get up off the porch. <laughs> but now, them of you that has to live here in Washington, there's a whole lot to be admired about, about Washington too cherry trees, monuments, and everything like that. The main thing, though, that I admire about Washington are the pretty girls, and I'm bound to say that. They are as pretty and well-built as any I ever seen tried to fill a balloon dress. <laughs> and I love to look at them. My wife told me a long time ago, she says, you can look at the pretty girls, but don't you never touch them. And friends, I've tried to live by that. Of course, that throws me to do an extra lot of looking just to make up for that one handicap. <laughs> well, I reckon we might as well go right ahead and get right on into the service. Is the choir ready? This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to LA. More than 2,000 miles all the way. Get your kicks. Now you go through St. Louis and Joplin, Missouri And Oklahoma City looks mighty pretty See Amarillo, Gallup, New Mexico Flagstaff, Arizona, don't forget Winona Kingston, Boston, San Bernardino Won't you get hit to this timely tip When you make that California trip Get your kicks on Route 66 Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. 